Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Joe Zimmel and Valerie Friedman. This is where we live. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. Today, we've invited Hartford's police chief to our studio. David Rosado was appointed in February. We wanted to know what are his priorities as leader of the police department in Connecticut's capital city. And we also want you to have a chance to ask Chief Rosado a question. You can join the conversation. The number 860-275-7266. You can find us on Twitter at Where We Live. And today we're broadcasting our conversation on Facebook Live. Just search for Where We Live. You can add your question in the comments field below the video stream. I want to welcome Hartford Police Chief David Rosado to Where We Live. Thanks for coming in. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. So we wanted to know a little bit about yourself, your upbringing. I I understand you're a Hartford native. So tell us about um, where you grew up, your family, and eventually we're going to ask you why did you want to be a police officer? Sure. So born and raised in Hartford in the South End on Flatbush Avenue. Uh, I talk about it quite often. Uh, Charter Oak Terrace, which is no longer there. Uh, I think you heard those comments a little earlier. Uh, Right now, uh, it's a parking lot uh, in front of Walmart, uh, which is a little surreal for me. Uh, But the youngest of eight, I was born and raised uh, on Flatbush Avenue, lived in the same house from the time I was born until the time I graduated high school. You know, proud graduate of Hartford Public Schools, Mary Hooker School, Burr, and Buckley High School. You then went on to study at UConn. Well, when did you become interested in law enforcement, Chief? I would say my senior year at the University of Connecticut, um, you know, born and raised in Hartford. um, uh, I don't know if I necessarily thought of law enforcement when I was a kid. Uh, But my senior year at college, uh, I was approached by two agents from uh, the U.S. Secret Service who were recruiting at the time. And that actually opened my eyes to law enforcement. And uh, that's how it started from there. Uh, before that moment uh, when you were approached uh, while you were in college uh, by these recruiters, uh, take us back to when you were growing up in Hartford. And do you remember ever you know, noticing the police? What were your impressions of police officers in your community growing up? I did notice uh, police um, quite often. Uh, I never really, uh, I guess I never really uh, had an impression because I didn't personally have interactions with them uh, Growing up as much, I was so involved in sports, and sports was my world from, you know, from the time I could remember until throughout high school. But being the youngest of eight who uh, has older brothers and sisters, there were a couple times when officers, uh, uh, I guess you would say, paid attention to my older brothers, a couple of them at least. Um, uh, But for the most part, um, I remember the officer friendly in the schools. Yeah, you know, I remember uh, there was one officer back in the day uh, who was always in our community. Um, it was an, uh, a neighborhood officer at the time. And so you saw him and you felt comfortable in that. You knew a Hartford police officer. 
I ask you that question because uh, we know uh, children today uh, in Hartford, uh, later on we're going to mention and maybe hear some words from a high schooler that we spoke to several months ago. But some children see uh, police in their neighborhoods each and every day, and those encounters can often uh, be scary, what they're seeing out on the streets, what they're seeing on the street corner. And as police chief, I'm just curious how um, has finding ways to reach young people where they can trust a police officer and not fear them. Um, how are you doing that in your everyday? I think that's incumbent upon every single officer in the police department to make sure that you have a positive interaction every day w- with a young person. Uh, that's a message that we try to get out there. Uh, you know, sometimes uh, what, what throws us off, off as officers is you go to a supermarket and you'll see a parent who will come up with a kid and the parent is trying to discipline the child. And she will say, if you don't knock it off, this officer is going to arrest you. We don't like to hear that, right? That's kind of setting a tone as well. Uh, our interactions, we, we hope, are positive. Uh, so whether it's kids playing ball on a court or walking down a street, our officers are encouraged to get out of their cars when they can and make a positive interaction with a, a young person. Right. And that's how it starts. You referenced uh, growing up, uh, your, where you live uh, is no longer there. It's now a, a parking lot and there's a Walmart. Uh, you made, uh, you had a speech earlier this week. I had a chance to hear it uh, with the event at the Connecticut Council for Religious, uh, Interreligious Understanding. And you talked about uh, growing up and how your family's support was very rich, although your family was not wealthy. How did that right. shape you? It was very powerful for me. Uh, you know, being the youngest of eight kids, uh, and I had two parents in the house, our socioeconomic status obviously was was not so strong, but we were wealthy in family, and that was a message that both of my parents, especially my mom, God rest her soul, would talk about quite often. Whenever we would uh, pan for things, whether it was, you know, material things or vacations or trips, um, and we would turn to our mom and say, why don't we have this and why don't we have that? And she would say, listen, um, you're, you're rich in family. Uh, we have each other, and we have the support from each other. Uh, that was very powerful for me, and that helped uh, keep me on the right track. Mm. And you have four children today. I do. I do. I do. I have uh, a, a daughter, Olivia, who's in college, and we have three small ones at home, Diego, Isai, and Elena. This is where we live. You're hearing David Rosado in our studios today. He is Hartford's police chief. Uh, He was confirmed and appointed by uh, the mayor, confirmed by the city council in February. If you want to join our conversation, especially if you live in the city of Hartford, if you have a question for the police chief, the number 860-275-7266. You told us uh, you got interested in law enforcement uh, when you were in college, and uh, you ended up having a long career with the Connecticut State Police, uh, rising all the way to the rank of lieutenant colonel. What did you do with the state police? Well, uh, what didn't I do, <laughs> I like to say? Uh, you know, I had the pleasure of, of uh, being in just about every rank. I have uh, I had a, a variety of roles, and I think that was what attracted me to that agency in the first place, the opportunity to move up. And that's similar with the Hartford Police Department. It's a larger agency with uh, multiple opportunities uh, uh, um, for officers to work in. Um, with the Connecticut State Police, I retired as a lieutenant colonel. I was responsible for the Office of Field Operations at the time of my retirement. Um, it was uh, a great and challenging career, uh, and I'm also uh, excited to be in this new current career uh, with the Hartford Police Department. 
Oh, so you worked for a long time with the state police. When, as a police chief now of, the, of Connecticut's capital city, what are your priorities? Sure. Number one is diversity. Uh, you know, I've been uh, clear. Um, we need to have a department that reflects the community we serve, that, um, that is uh, at all ranks. And, you know, I'm proud to say that just yesterday we had a promotional ceremony with 43 individuals who were promoted to various ranks from assistant chief all the way down to detective. And it was, it was a diverse group. Um, I, I'm very proud of that. Uh, you know, we promoted uh, an assistant chief who's Hispanic, a deputy chief who's African-American. We promoted many uh, Hispanics, many females. Um, so I'm very proud of that. Uh, another um, priority of mine is transparency, and I think that's important. Uh, that trust that we have with the police department and the community uh, is, is central to what we do every day. Uh, it's been built up over the years prior to my time, and my, my job is to keep that going. Uh, technology is another priority. Um, you know, in this day and age when uh, staffing is a problem for us, recruiting is a problem for us, we have to be efficient. And um, being efficient in, police, in policing involves bringing in new technologies, for example, body-worn cameras. Uh, that also crosses over into the transparency aspect as well. So you're bringing in new technology that's kind of a best practice across the country, but it also increases transparency between the community we serve and our police department. Uh, and I'm proud to say that uh, recently we selected a new vendor for body-worn cameras, and uh, we hope to roll out uh, the, the body-worn cameras sometime in late fall, early winter. I want to talk more about transparency in, in a few minutes, but you said something about having trouble recruiting. So uh, talk us through that in terms of how big your police force is now and what is the, I guess, recommended number of officers that you need to be doing a good job uh, in Hartford's community. So we're a little over 400 right now. Um, there's no specific magic number. However, we hope to get up to somewhere in the 470 to 475 range, uh, hopefully by next summer. Uh, recruiting is a challenge for law enforcement in general across the country uh, to, to attract and retain candidates nowadays. Uh, there's so many different opportunities for folks who are coming out of college, for young folks who want to go into separate careers. Uh, but I, I tell you, we recruit every single day. Every interaction we have with a member of our of our community, uh, that's a potential recruiting uh, opportunity as well. Um, and that's the message that we put across all of our supervisors, all of our officers. Every day we're recruiting uh, young folks. You know, we have uh, on the recruiting front, we have a number of initiatives that um, help us in our recruiting. For example, we have our explorers uh, in our cadet program. Uh, you know, our, Explore, our Explorer program is, is a program where we have younger uh, kids from uh, 12 to approximately 18. Uh, they volunteer uh, with the police department. We give them structure. We give them activities, and we mentor them. Um, we mentor them in, in um, subjects uh, in school. Uh, we keep, keep them um, active with the police department, and, uh, and we give them focus. Uh, recruiting uh, and making sure that your police force is diverse is something that's uh, been mandated by the federal government, I believe, under a consent decree um, to hire uh, more minorities and residents to patrol its streets. So remind us again how many of your police force are actually city residents. So I would say we're about uh, 12 percent 12 uh, city residents. Uh, there's work to be done. There, you know, there's no mistaking about that. Uh, and we do that every day. We recruit every day. We recruit in the city. 
uh, our you know our cadet program, uh, we have folks who are. Uh, between the ages of 18 and the 21, and we employ them. And uh, there are a number of city residents who are cadets. Uh, and as long as and we employ them as employees of our police department. And as long as they stay in good standing, uh, when they re- hit the age of 21, uh, they roll right into our police academy. Um, but again, every day we recruit. Uh, we recruit in the city. Recruit outside of the city. Um, it's it's uh, it's an objective that we can't stop. You mentioned, before we take some calls, you mentioned earlier that across the country, uh, recruiting uh, police officers has become more difficult. Why is that? It's because of the national conversation on law enforcement and uh, how uh, they interface with the community when we hear about uh, shootings of unarmed uh, men and women of color. Is that impacting people's perceptions of of law enforcement and whether they even want to be part of a police department? Sure. There's no mistake and that's part of it. Um, you know, you can't deny that fact. However, we're, you know, it's important for us to actually, um, uh, at least here in the city of Hartford, uh, to, to build a strong relationship with our community. And I, and I, and I believe we're doing that. Um, uh, and to let young folks know that um, the police department is a great career. There is a lot of opportunity within a police department, especially a large police department like ours. Uh, you can do a multitude of different things. You can be a canine officer. You could be a detective. Um, and you can give back to the community in which you grew up in. Um, and that's important. Um, you know, um, there are tough times across the country right now, as well as uh, in the state and in our city. Uh, but there are also great times, and uh, there's opportunities uh, for improvement. This is where we live. Join our conversation today, 860-275-7266, as we talk with Hartford's new police chief, been in the job since February, Hartford Police Chief David Rosada. You can also join us on Facebook Live at your question below the live video stream. Uh, Jasmine's calling from Avon. Jasmine, go ahead. I live in Avon, and uh, I have a question about, you know, the safety in Hartford. We would love, my friends and I would love to come into the city sometimes, but the impression is that it's not safe. Can you address that, please? Uh, thank you for your question. Uh, Hartford is very safe. Uh, you know, we have a beautiful downtown. We have a vibrant downtown. We have Yukon uh, back in the city. Uh, folks are coming into the city every day uh, to enjoy show and a dinner. You know, I go in with my wife as well uh, every day. Uh, uh, you know, we, we enjoy taking in a show into the city, uh, going out to dinner. Um, you know, um, remember what, what you see and hear at times uh, in the media is uh, the small minority. For, you know, Hartford is a very safe city. We have a wonderful police department um, who's uh, pretty active um, in the community, and they're very visible. Um, and, and again, um, um, there, there's a multitude of different things you can do in the city, and I would encourage you uh, to come in. Uh, to uh, piggyback on what uh, Jasmine was referring to in the sense of uh, people in the suburbs who think that uh, the city of Hartford is a dangerous place, depending on uh, where you are uh, when you're in the city. I'm just curious about as a, you know, you grew up in Hartford, uh, you know the challenges in the city as well as the, um, you know, the qualities of, of, of the city as well as the people that live here in the capital. But in terms of what you're doing to allay those concerns from suburb, suburban nights. I know there's a new quality of life unit. Can you talk about that? And what do you mean when you have a, a unit that's going to look at quality of life? Sure. <clears throat> Excuse me. 
So uh, during my tour of the city, uh, you know, Hartford has 17 different neighborhoods. Every neighborhood has uh, uh, an NRZ or Neighborhood Revitalization Zone uh, who are comprised of uh, community leaders in that particular neighborhood who really care about the vibrancy of their neighborhoods. Um, And during my tour of the city, every specific NRZ, every individual NRZ had said to me, listen, quality of life issues are, are, are things that are important to us. We want to be able to live uh, in a neighborhood where, you know, there are not uh, people throwing litter on the ground where we can have a quiet, safe street. And I understand that. And being responsive to the city, we created a community response unit. We call it the crew. We fin- finally call it the crew. And they're in their mission, if you will, is to respond to these community res- uh, community uh, requests. So we literally listen to what our residents are asking for and we're responding to them. And that's why we created the Community Response Unit. That's just one um, initiative that we created amongst a number of others. Uh, There's another street crimes unit that we created uh, to be proactive uh, within the city. Um, um, We have uh, all of our units working hand in hand, not only uh, from the Hartford Police Department by itself, but we work um, together with our state and federal partners. Um, it's it's there's so many different levels of of what we do in the police department that a lot of it is visible and a lot of it is not so visible. Uh, but the point is, is Hartford is a safe city. We're working to keep it that way. Uh, and uh, uh, it's a strong and I would I would hesitate to tell people, please um don't come into the city. That's not the case. It's a very safe city. How do your officers balance uh, the concerns from people who don't live here or who may um, be more affluent, uh, live in certain areas, may not look like, uh, uh, you know, uh, residents of the North End, and but who, again, uh, will call your police department if they feel threatened? But how do you balance that with the, the concerns of, of the residents here who are minorities who feel like they are you know, targets because they may they may be under the impression that uh, they may look suspicious because we've seen these incidents across the country where uh, white uh, Americans are calling the police because they see someone black or brown that looks suspicious. Mm-hmm. Listen, I'm, I'm a man of color as well. I have young kids as well who are in the city. Um, I, I can appreciate that concern. Um, you know, our officers are uh, trained um, pretty often in uh, cultural awareness and implicit bias. Uh, That's important. Um, But our officers really care about the community that they serve, no matter who calls the police department. You know, I would, uh, you know, I would, I would hesitate uh, uh, to respond to someone who said, you know, we only respond to certain individuals. That's not the case. Every officer uh, responds to the calls that we receive, but an officer is required to use good judgment uh, based on uh, the facts in front of them. Um, and so, you know, I think that's what's important to bring out about that. Uh, but again, as a man of color, as uh, as a man who has uh, two young Hispanic boys who are going to be in the city as well, I share those concerns. Um, but as long as, you know, I have two kids who uh, uh, are, are listening to their dad and being good, upstanding citizens, they have nothing to worry about. I want to take a call uh, pretty soon, but just wanted to ask you, um, when uh, residents in the city of Hartford, maybe they run up against an issue with an officer, uh, what recourse do they have? What accountability measures do you have to respond to concerns from residents? We're an open and transparent police department. If 
if there's any concerns about the conduct of our police officers, any resident is uh, welcome to come to the police department, make a complaint uh, online, um, and we will um, uh, investigate everything. Uh, that is our policy. We're, you know, we're open and transparent. Um, I, uh, I like to say that we, you know, we work in the light and not in the dark. Um, I welcome any and all complaints against our officers, and we will look into them. Um, we do not um, um, uh, push anything on the rug here, and we will respond to the folks after our investigation is done. This is where we live. I'm Lucien Alpathanchel. In studio with me is Hartford Police Chief David Rosada. You can join us, 2860-275-7266, if you have a question for Chief Rosado. Uh, we're talking about recruitment, and uh, Catherine from Hartford has a question related to that. Catherine, go ahead. Hi, Chief. This is Catherine, and I am interested in the possibility of expanding recruitment into some of the educational and coaching venues. Um, these people are already role models for our children, and we like to teach our children that the police are our friends, not our enemies. And I'm wondering if there's a way that we could incorporate recruiting into the Hartford Public School System or surrounding systems or even coaches who are so influential to these children. Uh, thank you, Catherine. That's a great question. And, uh, you know, I, I have to tell you that um, you're right on point with that. Um, you know, I frequently talk about um, there's a lot of potential police officers and actually sports teams, right, and college teams. Uh, you know, I had the pleasure of playing um, as a walk-on, a little bit of college sports myself. Um, I know there's a lot of folks um, who are on teams now uh, who would be great police officers. We have a uh, recruiting unit within our police department, Officer Kelly Bayerga, uh, would be available uh, to talk with you, uh, Catherine, about how we can push that out into education. I think that's something that we're doing now. But uh, if you have recommendations as to how we can do better, uh, we would certainly welcome that. And, you know, I would encourage you to, uh, you can look up uh, Officer Bayerga's information right on our website, and uh, we can work with you on that. Thanks so much, uh, Catherine, for your call. We're, we have more listeners in queue standing by to ask uh, Chief Rosado a question here on Where We Live. We'll be back right after a short break. This is where we live. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. My guest today is Hartford Police Chief David Rosado. He's been the chief since February, replacing uh, Chief James Ravella, who retired. Do you live in the city of Hartford? What questions do you have for Chief Rosado? You can join us, 860-275-7266. We're also on Facebook Live today. You can add your question for the chief in the comments right below the video stream. Uh, chief uh, Rosado, a lot of attention's been on uh, your department after a Facebook video surfaced in August. This was of a a police officer by the name of Stephen Barone. He was documented uh, speaking uh, to trespassers uh, in a video game that surfaced on social media. Um, and there was a lot of criticism about what he said exactly to this group of, of uh, young people. Let's take a listen. If anybody wants to fight or run, I'm a little trigger happy, guys. I'm not going to lie. You know, I get paid a ton of money in overtime. If I have to shoot somebody, I don't do anything stupid. So the fact that he said he was a little trigger happy really made a lot of people unhappy uh, to hear a police officer uh, saying this. Um, we know that there's an investigation still going on. There's only certain things that you can talk about because of that. But as someone who's worked in law enforcement, as now uh, the chief of the city police department, when you saw that video and heard those comments, what first came to your mind? It's disappointing. 
Absolutely. It's disappointing. Listen, we work very hard in our police department to, uh, you know, establish a level of trust between our community uh, with the folks that we serve. Um, And that is very, that's central to uh, us being effective as a police department. So uh, that, you know, there's no mistaking. uh, That's very disappointing. It's being investigated, as you mentioned. So I don't want to get too much into the specifics of that to respect his due process. Um, But I can tell you uh, on a general level, um, if, you know, in any situation like that where um, uh, an officer uh, or or a member of our police department, um, um, you know, makes statements that are contrary to what we believe in, we look at it, we investigate it, um, and and we take action on that. What kind of damage do you think uh, that... uh video uh, did to the trust that uh, city residents feel towards your police department? So I wouldn't classify, uh, you know, the level of damage. I can tell you that I have a responsibility uh, to work with our community leaders, with our faith-based leaders, with um, uh, our residents uh, to make sure that they understand what's going on, what our process is, and how we're going to repair that relationship. And that's what we're doing every day uh, that's ongoing. Um, we have had uh, multiple discussions with faith-based leaders, with our community leaders, um, education, you name it, um, uh, to work on um, uh, our process going forward uh, and to let them know that we take this seriously, that I take this seriously, and I hope to come to a, resolu- a resolution on this pretty quickly. Um, Assistant Chief uh, Rafael Medina, I believe, uh, in an email to community leaders, uh, this was reported uh, by The Current, uh, he wrote, to hear those words uh, from Officer uh, Barone, those words aren't just scary because it projects an image of law enforcement who take use of force lightly. And again, this is being um, heard and seen by people in the context of what we talked about earlier, that there is fear among uh, certain communities in this country with law enforcement and that they will be targeted because of the way they look, because of implicit bias. And and that's why it's important for us to get out in front of this and actually talk and have running conversations with members of our community. Um, You know, I'm out in front uh, uh, talking about these issues and letting them know that we value uh, trust in our department. We value transparency and the relationships that we have. However, let's let's not forget that this um, is a small, this is one incident. However, this department ref- has a, an agency, as I stated earlier, of over 400 officers who are doing good work each and every day. Each and every day our officers are out there putting their lives on the line and working with our community to ensure that we have a safe and vibrant community. You know, we have officers who have been attacked, right? Um, um, they're literally working hard because they care about this community. So I think it's important that our listeners today understand that uh, uh, the vast majority of our officers are out there doing great work, um, valiant work, um, um, and literally putting their lives on the line. Uh, You mentioned the importance of transparency. So for listeners uh, outside of Hartford who may not have been following this story, uh, what has since happened uh, since that video surfaced uh, by a then-sergeant off Barone? So we're moving quickly to investigate uh, the facts, and I would not make any determination until all of the facts are known. But as part of our process, we have had discussions with uh, our community leaders. We've brought in uh, some faith-based groups uh, to talk about um, um, how we can get through this. Um, You know, we have um, investigated uh, the actual incident. However, now 
there's a process in which the officer has certain rights that are afforded to him. Um, so we're going through um, a, a hearing now. And uh, again, not to get into the specifics of that, uh, but with respect to the community, we're talking uh, day in and day out with our community, with members of our city council, with members, uh, you name it, in the city, um, uh, multiple discussions. But we take this seriously. I take it seriously. And, um, you know, um, I am very confident that this will come to resolution pretty quickly. I should say uh, this uh, then Sergeant Barone has been demoted. There was a press conference earlier this month where you and, and Mayor Bronin both spoke about that action taken against a specific officer. But he was also in charge of that quality of life unit that we just talked about. How does that, I guess, damage your efforts again? Uh, this is a unit that's supposed to be out there, community policing, uh, building trust. And this was the guy that led that unit. You're absolutely right. And um, he is not in that unit now. We have uh, replaced uh, that officer with uh, another sergeant who is well-respected in the community. And uh, they're out there still doing good work each and every day as, as uh, they normally do. Um, you know, again, that's one incident uh, amongst uh, many. Um, but uh, we're moving forward. And um, uh, Sergeant Austin, who's well-respected in our community, is leading the community response unit now. And uh, again, each and every night they're out there. This is where we live. Uh, David Rosado's here. He's Hartford's police chief. You can join our conversation, too. 860-275-7266. We're also on Facebook Live. Just search for Where We Live. Don't forget, you can tweet at us, too, at Where We Live. Uh, Ricardo's calling from Hartford. Ricardo, go ahead with your question or comment. Yeah, good morning, Chief. Good morning. Good morning. My name is Ricardo Torres. Um, in addition to being an offer resident, I served on the Civilian Police Review Board for six years. Um, uh two of those as co-chair, co-chairman of the board. And um, in regards to this Sunday's current uh, story that uncovered the fact that uh, city lawyers had withheld some of those complaints from people for over 12 years, I'd definitely like to hear your comments on that, particularly because you say you're very interested in transparency. Um, so I would like to hear from you in regards to your opinion on that story and uh, how uh, you might be able to shorten the problems that are uh, obviously a part of the system that may not be directly associated to the police department because this was done by the Corporation Counsel's Office, but I would definitely love to hear some comments with you in regards to that. Uh, thanks for your comment, Ricardo. Um, so the Civilian Police Review Board, as you know, uh, as you know better than I, uh, is an advisory board that sits outside of the police department. Um, I can tell you that... Um, we work in and hand with the board. Um, you know, I can't tell you about what happened 12 years ago. That's prior to my time. But moving forward, um, this is a process that um, I think it, it's, it's uh, very important to the accountability that we have as a police department. Um, we are certainly um, uh, appointing two uh, new individuals from the police department to sit on the board. Uh, but with respect to the going on, the goings on of the uh, civilian police review board, that's outside of our department. Um, uh, but we certainly work hand in hand with them. Um, so for our listeners who may not have read that story, the current reported there used to be a policy uh, that has now since been rolled back. But the policy was uh, uh, the city attorneys were withholding complaints involved in lawsuits against the city from the Civilian Review Board. And since that time, Mayor Bronin has, uh, I guess, replaced uh, all of those members. Uh, this review board in the past hadn't really been meeting. There were questions about whether these complaints were ever really uh, addressed uh, that were forwarded uh, by 
by citizens. And you mentioned that um, this is something that you know is outside your department, but you have to work with them. So I am curious, as the new police chief moving forward, how do you see your role in terms of fielding these complaints from the Civilian Review Board? Sure. So it's so the way the process works. Uh, Whenever there's a citizen complaint against one of our officers, we investigate the complaint. Um, it goes through our normal internal affairs process. Once the investigation is done, there's uh, findings that are made. Um, and then what happens is uh, once that is complete, that investigation is then turned over to the Civilian Police Review Board. Um, they will have uh, a de novo review of, of the complaint, if you will, of the investigation. And they have two options uh, before them. They could uh, review the investigation and determine whether or not they agree with the findings or not. Um, and then after they do their review, they forward it back to me for with their recommendation. Um, and part and what the procedure states is pretty much, um, I, you know, I could uh, I review what their recommendations are and I could either um, um, agree with them or not. That is that is the procedure. This is where we live. You can join our conversation. Uh, Josh is calling from Hartford. Josh, go ahead. Good, uh, hey, Chief Rosado, thank you for being on the radio and thanks, Lucy, for taking the call. Um, following up on that question from Mr. Torres, I guess I wonder, you're talking a lot about transparency, but the process that you just described is really one where people have a complaint about the police and they take the complaint to the police and then the police decide whether to discipline the police which, of course, is not how it works in most other areas of endeavor in society. If I break the law, they don't ask me, did you break the law, and what do you think should be the punishment? So I wonder, in terms of creating transparency and trust, whether you would support a truly independent oversight board that investigates complaints first, has subpoena power, and can make binding recommendations in terms of changes that would protect the public and discipline officers. Thanks for your question, Joshua. I certainly, um, I certainly support um, accountability. That there is no question about that. The current process now uh, does have uh, a secondary oversight, as you know, through the Civilian Police Review Board. So yes, we do uh, our investigations, and I, I, I don't know if I would say the majority of other jurisdictions. Um, have um, independent oversight boards. I, I don't know that's the case or the fact, but I can tell you that in our department, um, we have uh, investigators who objectively look at the facts. There's multiple levels of review, um, including my review at the end. Um, and again, as once we're done, that goes over to an outside board, which is the Civilian Police Review Board, and they get a second uh, look at the case as well. And those, uh, uh, you know, there's, there's members who are not part of the police department on that board. Um, and they also make recommendations. They do not have subpoena power, uh, but they do have the ability to, to have a secondary look at the case. Uh, just uh, talking a little bit more about uh, transparency and data, um, Governor Malloy has called on municipalities to participate in a database out of John Jay College to identify racial bias in policing. It's not mandatory for police departments to participate. Will Hartford be participating? How will you share that information? Uh, absolutely, we would participate in that. Um, um, you know, there was there was a, a three-year study through Central Connecticut State University um, where they were looking at uh, stats on racial profiling, and everyone in the state participated. Um, whenever there's a process uh, that, again, uh, centers on transparency, we would absolutely do that. And um, any information that we have, we would just share it. We could share it uh, through our, 
uh, online website. Um, or, you know, if there's requests, we can do that as well. You mentioned earlier body cams uh, coming to the police force uh, pretty soon before the end of the year. How will that information be shared with the public? So we're currently uh, working on our uh, policy for our body-worn cameras. Uh, we're working um, uh, uh, pretty steadily on that. Um, that information is out there. Um, um, if someone has a request for, for example, a video, a body-worn camera video, uh, you go through the normal FOI, FOI process and uh, a copy of a video would be afforded to you. Um, again, the, the point of body-worn cameras is to capture uh, the entirety of an incident when an incident occurs. Um, and, and what's nice about the body-worn cameras that we're going to roll out, uh, is there's technology in there that allows us to capture multiple views of a specific incident so that we're not only catching just one view. For example, if there's four officers um, at a particular incident, all four cameras automatically go on with this vendor that we purchased. Um, all four cameras go on and you get uh, a better view of an incident that occurred. This is where we live. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. David Rosado is my guest today. He's Hartford's police chief. We're going to continue our conversation after the break and continue taking your questions. The number 860-275-7266. Find us on Twitter at where we live. Also on Facebook Live today, you can watch this conversation and also add your cues uh, to uh, the comment field right below the video stream. Back after a short break. This is where we live. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. Today, David Rosado in our studio. He's Hartford's police chief. We wanted uh, to invite him into the studio because uh, he's uh, rather new to this job, even though having a long law enforcement career. He was uh, appointed the job in February of this year, but we want to take listener calls as well. So I wanted to take a quick call. Uh, Jake's calling from Hartford. Jake, go ahead. Uh, Good morning. Um, This is Jake Fournier. uh, I'm also a Hartford guy. I grew up in Hartford just like Dave. And uh, we actually started playing against each other in baseball in high school when I was at Harvard High and he was at Buckley. Good morning, Jake. Good to hear from you. (laughs) (laughs) So I had a couple things I wanted to say. Number one, I I wanted to be at your swearing in, so I wanted to say congratulations. We're really happy to have you. Thank you, Jake. Appreciate that. So like I said, we started playing against each other when we were in high school. And, um, you know, I always admired his playing. And then when we were playing against each other as grownups, both of us were walk-ons in college and... uh, we were both competing in the Greater Hartford Twilight League. And, you know, even though Dave is uh, into law enforcement now in baseball, he really liked to steal bases. So we had a little friendly back and forth. I was a catcher, and sometimes I would get him, and sometimes he would get me. But really the reason I called was as I watched him become a police officer and become a state trooper and then become a, a very important state trooper, I saw a seriousness in Dave that when he was made police chief, I was thrilled. I never felt really safer, and I've been here for all my years. But I knew that Dave was going to be an excellent officer for for the long run. When I saw him in a situation in downtown Hartford, that he may remember that I was there or he may not, but he was in plain clothes, and a person almost ran over a lady who was crossing the street by the Statehouse Square. And um, as is often the case, you, you always want a police officer there when something random and dangerous happens. And they're never there, but in this particular case, Dave stopped and got out of his car and made sure the woman was okay and then made the guy pull over and talk to him about how he needs to be more careful with pedestrians. And I was proud that Dave and I were both Harper guys, and I watched him do that. And, and um, 
I trust the city in his hands, and I'm really thrilled uh, to be on the air talking about him right now. Thank you, Jake, uh, for your call. So one of your buddies from way back? Uh, quite a surprise, Jake. Uh, I haven't heard from you in, 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 in many years, but, uh, uh, you know, I always enjoyed playing with you as well. You're a great catcher, and you never really did throw me out when I tried to steal second, but uh, I, and I appreciate your comments, and um, I wish you nothing but the best. Thank you, Jake. This is where we live. Again, David Rosado is Hartford's police chief. He's in studio to uh, take your questions, your comments. Uh, Kershid from Manchester is calling. Kershid, go ahead. My question to you is that why does it take uh, about two, more than two weeks to get a police report if, you can, if you're lucky? And the other thing is that I have been to uh, the police station two or three times to get the police report, and there are five, six, seven people just sitting there basically chilling and doing nothing. And then you, I drive around the city and I see, you know, prostitution going on, drug dealing going on. And I just wonder what, what is happening and how you can address any of those issues. Uh, thank you for the question. Uh, so we certainly want to make sure that you have an accurate and thorough report before it's released. Um, there's a couple levels of review to make sure that the police report is accurate and paints a picture of exactly what happened. You know, two weeks, I think, is a reasonable time period to receive a report. Um, and if that's, in fact, uh, happening where um, you're receiving that in, in, in a couple of weeks, you know, I think that's pretty good. So thank you for your question on that. Uh, we are getting some comments and uh, on Twitter and also Facebook. Uh, Zeta wanted to uh, mention this. She wants to know what's being done for police officers' mental health. Uh, mental health is harmed with too much overtime and all that comes with the job. Are activities included to help officers' mental health? Also, how are officers trained to deal and relate with the mentally ill? Great questions. Both great questions. Thank you. Uh, first question on the mental uh, wellness of our officers. We have a, a mental one, a health wellness program uh, within our department. We have an EAP officer uh, who is trained in this. Um, officer Teresa Velez. Um, her sole job is to uh, make sure that the officers uh, are are taking care of themselves, are receiving proper supports, either uh, through uh, counseling or through EAP, or just um, uh, you know through uh, exercise, if you will. Um, with regard to mental health, every single one of our officers is trained in crisis intervention, um, um, and I'm proud to say that, um, and that deals with mental health issues. Um, we have a vendor that has provided this training, and that's the training that will continue. Um, when we talk about um, police officers understanding how to you know, interface with uh, residents who uh, may be dealing with mental health issues, but also, uh, you know, when we talk about how uh, officers, um, if they're connected to uh, counselors when they deal with the day-to-day the -day on their job, um, I covered uh, veterans' issues for many years, and there's a lot of attention now on the rate of suicide among veterans. But that's also an issue among police departments around the country. And, you know, there, there are people and advocates that say that Officers shouldn't just be forwarded to them when they've dealt with something pretty traumatic, but this should be part of their, uh, you know, everyday uh, annual, uh, you know, training, professional development so that they can get that kind of, of, of treatment if they need it. Absolutely. You know, I, in my prior career with the state police, two of my own classmates uh, committed suicide. Um, so, you know, it's an issue that, uh, you know, is very uh, near and dear to me. Um, uh, we have to make sure, uh, all of us in law enforcement, that um, any warning signs uh, with an officer are, are, are um, identified um, and treated. 
Um, it's, you know, it's a very real issue that does happen across the country. Um, that's something that uh, we have to keep an eye on and make sure that, uh, again, we're, we're addressing them, the mental wellness of our officers and um, uh, support them whenever they need that. This is where we live. Join our conversation. Uh, Marcus is calling. Uh, Marcus just says he's from Connecticut. Didn't say uh, what town. Marcus, go ahead. We just have a couple of minutes. Uh, so if you keep your question uh, short. Thank you. Uh, David Rosano, this is Marcus. I recently moved out of Hartford. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you, Marcus. How are you? All right. I have an opportunity for you to apologize on behalf of Hartford Police President Union John Shevchek. John recently made a statement uh, directed towards a Hartford City Council person accusing them of sowing discord and divide in the community in a way that was a blatant dog whistle threat. I wonder how you feel about that statement on Twitter. I wonder if you're aware of it. And I wonder if you're willing to make amends between the Hartford Police Unit and the community for what was an absolutely heinous and inappropriate statement. All right, Marcus, thank you uh, for your uh, question to Chief Rosado. I believe this has to do with uh, a response from the police union when Councilwoman Bermudez made comments uh, uh, that said uh, the city needed to clean house and overhaul the culture of its police force. And I believe the police union uh, had some words about that. Can you talk a little bit about what Marcus was asking? Sure. You know, I can tell you that there are uh, uh, obviously very, um, uh, very raw emotions on both sides. I can tell you that I am meeting with Councilwoman Bermudez today, as a matter of fact. Uh, and we will be discussing this issue, I'm sure. You know, I can appreciate that um, there's um, uh, we have a lot of work to do on both sides. Um, as a department, I can tell you that our officers uh, are working hard, but there's issues that we can work on and improve. And that's what we're doing every single day. We're working on getting better. We're working on uh, reestablishing uh, the trust that we have with our community. A part of it is to make sure we keep a dialogue going uh, with, with um, as many people as we can. And that's what I'm going to continue doing. We just have a couple more minutes. Uh, Peter on Facebook wanted to know what you're doing as chief regarding the opioid epidemic. And this is something that touches communities around the country. Uh, tell us uh, how your officers are trained uh, to deal with um, this crisis in communities as well as when someone's overdosing. I'm curious about that. Uh, very uh, very distinctly, we have officers who are training and administering, administering uh, Narcan. Uh, but it goes beyond that. Um, recently, when that situation happened in New Haven, that unfortunate situation, uh, we reached out to the Department of um, uh, Corrections. Um, they have an, uh, an expert um, who um, trains on opioid and how to respond to uh, opioid um, issues. Uh, we're bringing that individual over to the department to give us some added training on that. Uh, but again, it's the opioid crisis is not a Hartford crisis. It's not a state crisis. It's a national crisis that um, is affecting us all, not just in a city, in the suburbs, everywhere. Um, we are, uh, you know, it's an unfortunate situation that happens across the country, uh, but we maintain our training on uh, recognizing uh, the dangers of drug addiction, um, recognizing, um, uh, you know, the signs and symptoms of someone who's going through a crisis. But our officers do respond as well as the Hartford Fire Department. 
Let's talk a little bit about guns. We only have a few minutes, so maybe unfair of me to bring this up at, at the end of the show. We've had a, a busy hour. But in terms of gun violence, uh, what are we seeing in the city of Hartford um, in uh, getting illegal guns off the street, but also keeping uh, these violent activities from happening in the first place, Chief? Thank you. Uh, so in the beginning of the year, our our uh, our shootings were going up. I can tell you that, um, you know, I, I hate to talk about how well we're doing, but uh, so not as to jinx it as, if you will, um, but our, our shooting incidents were up. We have uh, since slowed that down. We have initiatives in the city uh, now within the police department to address gun violence. Um, uh, I talked about it a little bit earlier. We have our street crimes unit who are out there uh, specifically um, looking at our hot areas within the city and specifically targeting those areas to make sure uh, that we reduce gun violence. We've been working with the U.S. Attorney's Office uh, through uh, Project Safe Neighborhoods, where uh, a prosecutor um, is assigned on a federal side as well as on a state side um, to go after those involved in serious gun violence. We're targeting uh, those folks who choose to participate uh, in gun violence in our city. We're prosecuting them uh, not only on a state level but on a federal level where there's um, uh, greater repercussions, if you will. Uh, and we've been doing really good with our initiatives. Um, again, our street crimes unit, uh, they're very specific at the, as to the time uh, and the places that they're um, uh, working. Um, and uh, we've done good to uh, bring uh, the level of shootings down within the city. When you look at the city, obviously, uh, uh, depending on a wide area, where in the city do you see the most gun violence? We've seen it, uh, you know, we've seen it in the north end, we've seen it in the south end, um, 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 but I can tell you that uh, uh, over the summer, um, it's gone down a bit, um, thankfully, uh, um, and we're going to stay on top of it. Um, but for the most part, there's, you know, a couple areas um, that we're addressing um, every day. Um, and if the area moves, we move with it. That's the important thing. I want to thank Hartford Police Chief David Rosado for joining us uh, this hour here on Where We Live. We hope you come back. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you. Today's show produced by Carmen Baskoff. Thanks to digital producer Carlos Mejia, also to uh, producer Lydia Brown and Kion Wolf. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. Go to WMPR.org slash Where We Live to learn more about the show. Thanks for joining us on Facebook Live and have a great weekend.